Welcome to episode 9 of the Pokemon Gold podcast. My name is James Carew, co-editor of Pokemon Gold website and magazine, and you're listening to the ninth edition of the podcast accompanying the release of Ireland's only football magazine. Toggle back wherever you get your podcasts for previous episodes. You can also pick up the latest issue of the magazine along with t-shirts and other items on our online store, pogmagold.bigcartel.com. Or for a taster of what you can find in our 64-page magazine, visit our website, pogmagold.com. On today's episode, we're talking to the charity Alive and Kicking to hear about their extraordinary work in Africa and who we've teamed up with to bring you our very own design football to coincide with the publication of the sixth edition of the magazine. But first I'm joined once again by my co-host Taylor Geel, a media relations expert based in London and a former print journalist and editor. Welcome back Taylor. Hello, how are you doing? Good to have you back. So with today's subject in mind, if the stars align, we should have a football tournament in the summer in the shape of Euro 2020, or is it 2021? And before all of these major finals, the official ball is always a source of debate. The amount of goals, the way they fly, the ability to make goalkeepers look like idiots can all be attributed to the latest lump of leather. So looking at past tournaments, Taylor, do you have a favourite football? Yes, I do, actually. It's uh, it's the official football from the first tournament I actually remember, which is the 2002 World Cup in Japan and South Korea. Um, I had to Google it today, but it's called the Fever Nova. And you might remember it because it's uh, it's like a beautiful gold colour with like a three-pronged geometric shape on it. It's, it's really nice. I think it was the first football that was like purely synthetic. And like you said in your intro, um, this was one of the footballs that caused a lot of controversy because of uh, the flight of the ball. Lots of players hated it, but it made for some amazing goals in that competition. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my uh, favourite official ball. What about you, James? I remember that one well because it's the last World Cup Ireland was actually in. So the last time I saw Ireland score a World Cup goal was with that football. It's the infamous <laughs> World Cup that Roy Keane... Well, let's not go down that road. That's for another <laughs> but, podcast. Yeah, I guess mine would be, if you asked any child to draw a football, it would probably be white panels and every each alternate one would be black. So a black and white football, these great big panels, which is effectively the Adidas Telstar. And if you think about, I think it's the 1970 World Cup was the first World Cup broadcast in Technicolor. And we had we used to have an old VHS tape called The Boys from Brazil, which is about all those great Brazilian World Cup teams. So this first World Cup in colour in Mexico, 
yellow shirts, tanned legs, and this great football with white and black panels, which was the Adidas Telstar. And that's what I would pick. <laughs> about the personality of South Africans. I think we're very expressive people. Alive and Kicking are the world's only charitable ball manufacturer and by making these balls we create jobs. Working in Alive and Kicking has taught me many things. We're able to sell our balls and use the profits to donate a lot of our footballs to community groups. The organisation aims to use the African continent's passion of sports to boost its economy. My hope for future is to start my own business one day. We were able to use this football as a tool to deliver vital health education. So I'm delighted to welcome our guest today, who's Eddie Taylor, the head of development at Alive and Kicking, the world's only not-for-profit ball manufacturer, which has centers across sub-Saharan Africa and which creates hundreds of ethical jobs for adults facing disadvantage. Welcome to the Pogue McGold podcast, Eddie. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. It's, yeah, it's a pleasure joining you this evening. This would be a hard one for you. Do you have a favourite football? It's, it's an alive and kicking football, of course, guys. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I mean, the cop, the tango ball, I think, sticks in my memory from a while back. Um, I'm, a, I'm a quite a big fan of the, the evolution of the Champions League ball as well. I think that looks pretty mint. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice to play with. Um, but yeah, I would have to say staying loyal to to the charity alive and kicking it's always going to be a, a leather alive and kicking football hand stitched in kenya well i don't blame you which we'll go on to talk about because some of the designs are just incredible but with each guest on the podcast we firstly asked them just what got them interested in football i think um well for me my dad um my dad's actually a lot and my, my dad's side of the family um a big berry supporters who sadly went into administration a couple of years ago. Um, so I think the influence of my dad's side of my family, um, I'd go, I idolised all my older cousins. So I used to go to the terrace every time up at Easter or Christmas or, or family do or something like that. We'd always go to Gig Lane, uh, which is a beautiful, you know, old school ground. Um, so I think my first, yeah, my first ever like football kit was the 1990 um, Berry kit. There's a photo of me looking like a backing singer from Bross uh, wearing this full, full berry kit. And then I'd take it back down to London and play in, you know, in the parks and everybody's got their United and Arsenal and Chelsea shirts on. And I had my berry kit on. Um, and yeah, nobody really ever heard of them. Yeah. Um, and then he got me into football. You know, he played um, a bit and, you know, I played at a primary school. We didn't have a primary school team, actually. So my dad started one. Um, so we were, yeah, he, he, yeah, a bit of inspiration behind that. And then I played cub football and then played for junior Bs for, for a number of years, um, until yeah, sort of uni time and just sort of got a bit fat and interested in girls. So, and beer. So yeah, and beer, exactly. So stop, stop playing, but still, you know, COVID permitting, you know, we, we still play five a side and. I have done for, for yeah, God knows what, 20 years now. 
So we're really delighted to team up with your charity. Just looking at your website, the impact that you guys have is incredible. But tell us about the charity and how you got involved. Yeah, so Alive and Kicking, it's been going for 17 years. Um, so it was, it was quite before its time in the, using the kind of social enterprise model. Um, the founder was a, a school teacher at Westminster School and he had a passion for football um, and also for international development. So really wanted to combine the two. Um, I think Adidas footballs were made in, in Kenya until the sort of 90s. Um, and that sort of stopped as everything moved to, to Pakistan and, and, and China. Um, so there was a kind of a bit of knowledge <clears throat> in, in Kenya. And he happened to meet one of the uh, ball producers who's still with us now um, in, in the Nairobi operation and, and really wanted to, to find a way of, of helping people using you know, the beautiful game. So the model is we employ people from disadvantaged communities so people who have never previously had formal education, a high number of people with disabilities, a high number of women, um, and we pay them um, really ethical, um, above living standard wages. Um, and it's a permanent job, which is particularly difficult to get if you don't have formal education in a lot of countries in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, to go one or two stages further than that, we use profit from ball sales um, around the world and in Africa to run health programs. So we have a football curriculum um, using uh, football drills that teaches children about HIV, malaria and mental health to, you know, very pressing um, challenges that sub-Saharan Africa faces. And then the third thing we do is we donate footballs um, so children can play. So we, we have the sort of the mantra of make, play, live. Um, and those three pillars are, you know, what Alive and Kicking is, you know, stand for. It's interesting what you say about that skill set still being in those countries. Mm -hmm. I think that's a strange yeah. thing that not many people will have even known about. That's um, yeah, that's really cool that you've sort of managed to tap into that. It's um, it's kind of what we see a lot in in Western countries where a lot of manufacturing moves, mm -hmm. you know, to China or wherever, mm -hmm. but. To, to hear that happening on a continent like Africa is, is quite unusual. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, I think it's about, it was a couple of years ago, but sort of 60 to 80% of balls are made in one town in Pakistan, um, Silicon. Um, I think Adidas, all, all the Nikes and all the kind of top balls are made there. So it's, yeah, it's, we still, we're still the, the, the only sort of formalised uh, ball manufacturer in Africa. And, you know, Africa... African football is life, you know, P people are playing constantly. Um, so if we can, you know, harness that massive cultural um, demand and, and love for the game and, and use, use it as a force for good, you know, that's, that's what we're really passionate about. Also, the footballs you're producing are the highest quality and durable. On your website, you say that sometimes people may make donations to communities in Africa from maybe Western countries, but it will, they don't last. It will become a piece of waste within hours. Yeah, so we, we use locally produced leather for our materials for the balls. So, I mean, we've done a lot of research. Our balls are FIFA regulated. Um, you know, they, they, they adhere to certain standards of, you know, there's loads of like bounce tests and spherical tests and things like that that each ball goes through as a process. Um, 
I think our balls last, last about eight times longer than your kind of comparable um, synthetic football. Because, I mean, a lot of the pitches, you know, in, in, in certainly in Kenya, Ghana and, and Zambia, you know, are like community football pitches. So, you know, there's not a blade of grass on, in sight. It's quite sort of stony and, and dusty. Um, and they're always going over people's fences and things like that. Whereas the synthetic ball that we, we tend to use in the UK is, you know, suitable for 4G really smooth pitches and of course uh, you know rainy conditions in in the uk and ireland but also one thing that we you know we're still really proud of is is all our balls are hand stitched so when you stitch a football we you do it inside out um so when you're when you're putting stitching the panels together um you're yeah you're stitching them on the inside and then you sort of use a, a big sort of stick and then you pop the ball out so all the stitching is is, is almost hidden um whereas you've got a machine stitch ball say in, in china everything's done on the outside so it just it scuffs up really easily and i think we we had a um a very famous ball manufacturer i won't name them um, they did a health program uh, a couple of years ago in nairobi and they bought all over their balls with them Two weeks, um, it was supposed to go for about six weeks, and two weeks into it, their balls completely bust. Wow. So they had to come to our uh, operation in, in Nairobi and say, can we, can we buy some balls? Um, and knowing our balls, they're probably, probably still being kicked around now. Yeah. So we've partnered with you guys to make our own ball. Yes. Which we love. I, I love the idea that we just come up with a design. Exactly. It's got the pink colour that's on our latest issue. It's got that logo that's on the front of all our issues. But there's a beautiful video you guys sent with it of them mm -hmm. being handmade. There's something really pure and beautiful about knowing yeah, that. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you very much, by the way. It's, it's really good to have your brand on our ball. And, and yeah, and then we wish that, you know, more companies like yourselves had a, you know, uh, who are passionate about football, you know, reached out to us and worked with us. Um, yeah, it's something beautiful, you know, seeing them made with, with love and, and passion and, and the design. And one of the good things about our balls is they're silk screen printed. You know, there's no machinery involved. So within reason, you can, you can create some really beautiful. And to be honest with you, you know, the balls are quite artisanal, really. You know, they're a piece of art. They're not necessarily, you know, just a sort of synthetic standard Nike sort of templated ball. You know, each ball is individual in its own right and it, it's great to see them made as well yeah i was um i was scrolling through your sh the shop section of your website earlier today and the, like you say the designs are amazing like it really is an artisanal product rather than just like a, a tool for sport it's really cool where does it where do the designs come from do you have designers in-house or do you outsource it how does that work from everywhere, to be honest with you, um, a lot of the sort of animal balls that are really popular with kids are, are produced and designed in country. Um, and also, you know, you know, each country that we operated is very different. So they have their own sort of local styles. You know, when we had an operation in Ghana, um, they had a thing called Edinkra symbols, which is like a quite sort of tribal symbols. And these were really popular. Um, in Ghana. Um, we do have an in-house designer, Joel, who works on um, a lot of designs. Um, and yeah, but we do, you know, competitions and, and everybody can, if, if you really want to have, you know, your own personal design on a football, then, you know, you can get in touch and, and have it made. Um, and we've, we've, we've also had some success recently doing uh, retro football shirt balls. 
Um, obviously, we can't name them the, you know, the Sharp 92 um, kit, but we've got, you know, sort of shirts, balls inspired by very famous kits, you know, the candy kit. Uh, we've got the Nigeria kit as well on our website. Tell us more about the impact, what you're doing there. And you've been there yourself. You've visited some of the centres there. And in particular, the health education side. Yeah. So, I mean, impact wise, we've created um, over a thousand um, permanent jobs um, in, the, in, the, in the 17 years that we've been in operation. And we've made nearly a million footballs, which is, is quite mind blowing. That, you know, a, a little sort of idea, sort of project started sort of 17 years ago can have such a, yeah, such a huge impact. And a lot of the balls, I mean, 90% of the balls are sold in, in, in Africa. Um, so we've worked out that we've generated about five and a half million pounds to local economies, um, all through, all through ball sales. Um, um, and in, you know, in, in our supply chain, buying materials and, and things like that. And one of our one of the models is with the health program so we train local coaches so a lot of sort of slum football coaches or rural football coaches um, on our curriculum um, and they commit to doing a health drill every week where they have training um, and we also um, teach government schools uh, school teachers um, drills so part of their PE um, curriculum would involve um, a an alive and kicking football drill and I think we've we've reached about ninety thousand um, children through our health programs, um, which is which is pretty cool. And you know, teaching people about malaria and HIV who have never really heard of these diseases but are really affected by it. So we you know we we provide the knowledge um, and the background to these these challenges, and also teach children on, on how to sort of overcome them and be safe. And yeah, I mean, I, I was lucky enough um, to go to, to work in Ghana for six months a couple of years ago, um, helping out the operation over there. Um, and I mean, I obviously knew that football was big, but it's, it's just crazy. Um, I mean, living there for six months, I, I don't think I've, I've watched, I, I think I was watching a game of football every day, whether that's in the street or on the telly. And going to these like quite sort of, um, run down sort of pub bar street bars and they've just got a big screen up and you just pay you know a couple of cds to watch there and you're just with you know 50 other fans i mean i'm a united fan so i'd go and watch all the united fans and everybody comes in their kit like full kit watching <laughs> the game and you're just having the bit you know a beer with the lads and then at you can just kind of see like the hierarchy of, of watching. You've got kind of the older generation on the nice, comfortable seats. And then you've got the kind of kids hanging from the walls, you know, watching <laughs> when the, them was a very average Mourinho team, um, sort of scraping 1-0 victories. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, and then I was in, in a previous role as well. Um, I went to, to Kenya. Um, work we built um, were helping to build a, a school for hearing impaired teenagers um, and these guys absolutely love football as well and we had a kickabout on a school pitch every night after we were working on the building site and then we got uh, challenged by the local team who were called Chelsea <laughs> <laughs> so they turned up not just like again pristine full full kit from about four years ago the Samsung logo and they challenge us to the game. 
And bearing in mind that half our team were hearing impaired, so we had a bit of challenge with communication on the pitch. And it's, you know, it's starting to get really dark as well. So you can't really use hand signals when it was getting dark. And then like a load of local guys turned up with their pickup trucks and just put these headlights on. That's amazing. So we had this like awesome rural football stadium that was bumpy as hell. Um, Half my team was deaf and playing this Chelsea team, but in like under the floodlights, like it was, it was absolutely brilliant. We, yeah. We drew two all. I had to stop because it was really dark, and then we got nailed six one the night after. <laughs> I was going to say that the um, the culture of loving football in Africa is is amazing. I remember I went to Malawi when I was about fourteen with a charity. Awesome. And yeah. um, we it was a it was the charity was called Sight Savers, and we were going around to schools doing like eye tests yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but one school we went to. We uh, we did all the work that we were there to do. And then at the end of the day, just as the sun was setting, we pulled a football out of the van and we had a game of football that was about 50 kids yeah. per side. <laughs> it was just chaos. And they just, everyone just loves it so yeah. much. Yeah, it was brilliant. And then you yeah, he was like, hey, what's your team? You know, you're amazing. Like, I mean, our, you know, Man United, Liverpool. And it, I went, yeah, I was in Ghana, I think, a couple of years after Leicester won the, 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 the Premier League and you could just see all these Leicester kits sort of popping up as well. So it's great. They're all definitely copies and Leicester's probably not getting any money from it, but it's just great to see. There's a lot of videos you'll see on various football accounts of local games in Africa. Like, as you said, not a blade of grass on the pitch, but the crowd is right up against the touchline and yeah, yeah, any yeah. piece of skill is cheered to the skies and you're almost goaded into taking the piss out of someone with a nutmeg. Yeah, did yeah, you experience yeah, yeah. any of that kind of thing? Yeah, I think I did. I think I got, you know, just pulled out a couple of Cruyff turns, you know, <laughs> running down running down the left wing and, and doing a Cruyff turn and going, ah. Um, but they were, you know, it was, it was a very serious, yeah, it was, even though it was a you know, friendly kick around, they, they took it really seriously. We were kind of laughing and joking in the beginning, but then we realised, okay, we're, like, this is, you know, we're playing for, we're playing for the deaf school here, boys, you know, we've got to put in a, a right old session. Um, but it was great, but they, at, at half time, like, loads of locals came out with fruit as well. Like your old school kind of half oranges, uh, which was fantastic. And are the kind of African superstars that play in Europe, are, are they heroes at home in those countries? Big, big time, you know, really, really. Uh, we're about to work with, um, well, hopefully Alex Iwobi, um, you know, and he's, you know, Premier League footballer, plays for Everton, you know, not a massive, massive, massive superstar um, in the UK yet. He's still fairly young absolutely lovely guy but he's you know he's an absolute megastar he's on the billboards with Messi and Ronaldo you know and and, and, and selling LG fridges on adverts in in Nigeria um, and obviously being in in um, in Ghana as well I mean Essien you know is, is looked upon you know in, a, in a, almost godlike and playing for Chelsea I mean the amount of Chelsea kits that you see in Accra in, in Ghana is, is definitely down definitely down to him um, and you know, with 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 Ayu, who plays for for Palace as well, his dad's a, a, an absolute Ghanaian legend. So these guys are you know are really really inspirational for for all these guys out there in, in the countries that we operate in. And yeah, of course, Wanyama for for Kenya as well is you know he's got his own foundation. And I think you know like Didi Jogba as well. I think the guys you know the African players in particular. 
um, do an incredible amount of you know charitable work um, and give back to their local communities and whether they're building schools or donating footballs you know it's something that's I think really prevalent in, in African football whereas you don't necessarily see it as much maybe in you know in, in English players British players Irish players potentially yeah we don't often hear about that but there's a humility about those players as well definitely definitely I think you know with Rashford and you know and people guys like that um, I think there is a bit of a, a kind of a social more of a social focus you know in football and it's and it's only growing as we've seen um, over the last few years and as your charity is showing football is such a force for good exactly I mean it's so popular and it's you know it's really simple game isn't it it's not like you know, lacrosse or, you know, things like that, or golf where you need expensive equipment. You know, you can you can get a ball, you know, between, like you were saying, 50, 50 players and you can have a really class kickabout. I mean, I think that's its beauty and that's why it's, you know, it translates all around the world, particularly in Africa, is its simplicity. Um, and all you need is a, is a, is a, a ball. Or in some cases, in, in communities in Africa, they would make what we call um, Itani balls. Um, which is like kind of rolled up newspaper and plastic bags with string wrapped around. And I've, you know, I've seen some wicked, seriously good little kids playing with these in the streets or in rural areas. And, you know, that's kind of why I think the guy who started our charity, you know, wanted to get a really decent, durable leather football and replace, replace these, what we call Itani balls. But there's something, again, quite cool about you know finding scrap pieces of paper putting it together and, and having a kick about your mates you also donate footballs and you've reached over eight million young people with these donations yeah it's incredible um so we yeah we, we donate footballs ourselves and we work with you know because we've been working in in africa for you know 17 years we've got really great relationships with loads of communities and our health programs are not just in the capital cities they go out to really rural parts of of ghana and, and zambia and kenya so we've built up this network of slum football teams and, and casual football teams and schools that when we've got ball donations if somebody wants to donate ball we can link up and we, we know exactly where that ball's going um, and the impact that it's having. And over the last few years, you know, we've worked with um, quite a few female football teams um, in Africa and, and, and facilitated donations um, over there. I was going to ask, what about uh, girls football there? It's honestly, it's, it's, it's really big. You know, like when a lot of the, the, the health programmes that we do, we've actually done recent health programmes um, in Zambia that's just females. You know, and people sort of assume that it's quite a sort of male-dominated, uh, boy-dominated sport, but it's it's really not over there. And 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 girls absolutely love it, and 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 will play mixed teams together. You know, we've got um, um I th- she's no longer with the company with alive and kicking, but we had a Kenyan national team um, women's player, um, and and she actually was in the the homeless World Cup representing Kenya as well. And she had some unbelievable techers. Like she was, she was streets ahead of anybody else she was playing with. And she, I think she played for a, for a men's team and they didn't know that she was a girl. And, she, and this was like a de- really, really decent standard local team. And she was the superstar. 
and we'd sort of yeah go off after the game and oh, yeah well played and yeah and they had no idea that, that she was a girl that's incredible it's cool isn't it that's, yeah. a, that's a story for the magazine exactly it really is yeah she's great Eddie, I wanted to ask about um, formalised football in Africa. So local teams, is there, you know, semi-professional football, professional football? And is um, uh, Alive and Kicking able to provide balls to these to these leagues and, and that sort of thing? There is. I mean, yeah, there are, there are sort of professional professional teams. And it, they, I mean, it's just, it's just funding, isn't it? And it's an issue over there, I suppose. And, um, you know, that's why I think so many... African players come to, to Europe or the US because there's just not that much money in it. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to, to supply balls to, to leagues because we haven't made synthetics. So they actually use, you know, the actual established leagues, we use synthetics. Um, but we do have a, um, we are launching a synthetic ball over the next few months called AK Roots. So this is potentially something that we can go to, um, you know, the, the, the national uh, bodies in, in Ghana, Zambia and Kenya and, and say to them, right, we've got, now we've got a, a synthetic football. We, we work, we operated in Ghana a couple of years ago and um, the demand for synthetic footballs in Ghana was outweighing the leather football. Um, so it is definitely growing. And I think as, as people, as, um, you know, kids see, you know, Premier League football on, on, on the telly, you know, they want, to use a synthetic football you know leather footballs last long which you know it's an absolute fact um but you know they can get a bit um, heavy when when it rains um and you know the 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 movability of a ball as you were saying with the with the the the, the 2002 ball and the one in south africa you know you can't get that kind of that loop and 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 um curve with, with a leather football but I think so we're you know we're being smart and, and future we've realized that and future proofing, proofing the organization to and produce a synthetic football but I think we'll still always make leather footballs because you know a they're beautiful they last long um, and it's you know it's a really good value for money product especially for a kid yeah and it's kind of what makes you guys special as well like you have so many beautiful leather footballs it's yeah, that's like your USP in a way. Exactly, exactly. Is there any kind of visible lasting impact from the World Cup in South Africa? Well, we, uh, funnily enough, we opened a, a, a centre in South Africa, a kind of with the, um, you know, on, on the sort of lead up and on the back of that, we thought that this would be a really big growth opportunity um, in, in Africa. So we invested lots of money. But sort of tragically i think i think hyundai were one of the sponsors of the south african world cup and they donated a ridiculous amount of footballs and had them made incredibly cheaply yeah um, and then basically gave away all these balls in all of the the, the cities where um the, the games were being held so we were trying to sell balls <laughs> and i think because of that it we just you know what, what do you want? Do you want to pay, you know, a couple hundred rand for a football or do you want a free ball? Yeah. I'll have a free ball. So that kind of kiboshed the operation somewhat. But I'm not sure. I mean, I still think the grounds aren't really being used, are they, in Joburg and things like that. I think I see pictures of, of yeah, South African football pitches and they've still got, you know, there's, there's you know, like ghost towns, I think. So I don't, I'm not sure it was done as well as it could, you know, should have done. And the, the legacy planning 
the, I don't know, that you had from the London Olympics and things like that with the regeneration project. I don't think it was as strong um, for the South African World Cup, sadly. Yeah. Tell us about AKFC. Okay. AKFC. Um, so we've created a fictional football team um, that uh, supporters of the Alive and Kicking charity can sign up to and become a member of. Uh, so we launched it two years ago and... I mean, I love football shirts, so we we wanted to, you know, when you give money to, say, WWF, the animal charity, you, know, you give £15 a month, you get sort of like a cuddly whale or a cuddly toy as a thank you. So we wanted to take this concept a little further and obviously play on our passion for football. So we created this fictional football team and a, and a jersey and a badge um, and... When you sign up to, to AKFC, you receive your jersey and you get like a, a nice, a really cool kit box with your jersey, with a key ring, and you get a football and you get your contract saying like, welcome to, to, to AKFC. Um, so that, we launched that last year and had some really great success. We had Les Ferdinand sign for us. Um, he was brilliant. Um, we had Rachel Yankee, who's a, a, an Alive and Kicking ambassador. We had Jeffrey Schlupp as well, the Ghanaian guy. Um, but this year we've, we've gone one step further and managed to get a, a partnership with EA um, who produce FIFA, the football game, uh, well, c- c- the computer game. So our kit, our new AKFC kit this year will be featured digitally um, as a squad builder challenge in the FIFA Ultimate Team mode. Brilliant. Yeah, it's really cool. Our challenge is the hashtag Africa 11 challenge. So you've got to basically, you've got to create your ultimate all African squad. And then once you, you're happy with it, once you've got the chemistry right, once you've got, I don't know, JJ Kocha with Awobi, who's as his uncle, um, you know, playing alongside each other. And then you submit that to, to in game. And then it unlocks an AKFC shirt, which you can play with forever. The shirt is great. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, the shirt, we wanted to get inspiration. Um, so it's inspired by Africa, the fauna and fauna of Africa. Um, so it's got some beautiful design plants on it. Um, and we, we partnered with Hummel. I think for me, I, Hummel have always produced like quite iconic shirts and I've always loved the sort of 50-50 split so we went for Hummel um, and they said yeah we'll, 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 we'll work something out and now we've got this you know inspired by Africa designed in London um, created by Hummel shirt um, and they've been great in getting behind the campaign um, and, and we'll, they're going to sort of treat us as a legitimate football team and, and do some, some press and some social posts around that when it launches the first week of March. That's so great. Every time I come on this podcast, there seems to be a new football shirt that I need to buy. That's, I know. <laughs> it's an addiction, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Eddie, you made the process of us getting involved so simple and we were delighted to do it. We have a number of footballs now for sale on our website with the proceeds going to you guys. Tell us how other organisations or individuals can get involved because just the, the idea of being able to get your own design and to bring this football to life and, and make a difference in Africa is uh, should be appealing to everyone. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the first port of call is probably always our website, 
um, which is aliveandkicking.org. Uh, so please jump on there. We've got all our contact details on there as well. Um, we're also got a, you know a big presence on on, on Instagram. Um, so just go to we are um, AK UK. Um, our um, Instagram handle for the AKFC campaign is we are AKFC. But, you know, we're a very small, nimble team and we love working with creative, interesting people like yourselves who've got, you know, who've got a voice and, and want to, you know, and share our passion for football. So just pop us an email, give us a call. Um, and we're, you know, it's a really, you know, it's a very simple process, you know, dealing with Joel, our in-house designer, you know, he can walk you through your football design um, and do a, a mock-up of the ball and, and then have it handmade, um, you know, in Kenya or Zambia. And, you know, if you wanted to go a little bit further with, with donations and things like that, you know, we can make um, some really cool um, content of the ball being made, you know, particularly with, you know, organisations, corporate social responsibility is, you know, is, is pride of place in, in organisations now. So we've worked with, you know, corporate partners um, before and provided some really, really cool content um, that tells a really good story. And it's just something a little bit different. And also from a branding perspective, you know, you can have your name on a pen, you know, made, you know, and get 5,000 pens at, you know, th 13 pence a pop. This one's actually, you know, handmade and it looks, and it'll look awesome. Yeah. Remember when you played schoolboys football and your club would have their name written yeah. on the football? That's now you it. can have your own football, exactly. your own quest, or your own design on it. Exactly. We put some crazy designs on footballs. I think we we um, we got approached by a few um, political parties in, in 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 country, and they had they had their faces on on one of the panels. So <laughs> we can put within reason pretty much you know anything on a football. They put their own faces. Yeah. They want to put the the the, the opposition on. True. <laughs> exactly. Just yeah, kick it about and get it really <laughs> muddy. A good kicking. Yeah. yeah. I can think of a few faces I wouldn't mind putting on a football and lashing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. What's some of your favourite designs? I think. I mean, the, we've got a um, a snow leopard. <laughs> I think that's my favourite. I mean, I, I've the animal ones are just really cool. And Joel recently did a giraffe one. Um, and I think they're really cool. Um, but I think the, um, I mean, I like the United inspired one. And then we've also sell the, the Nigeria kit from a few years ago, uh, uh, inspired on, on a ball. And we've got that in like purple and, and, and pink and they look really cool. I like the, um, I think it's called Shaka 96. That's um, it. As a Portsmouth fan, that that resonates with me. That's it. That's it. Ben, Ben, our CEO, is a, a Newcastle fan, and he's a keeper as well. So he's like, right, you've got to get a keeper kit in there. And that, to be honest, that's a beautiful ball as well, isn't it? It's a really, yeah, really, yeah. really nice print on that. But the thing, one thing that we did previously is we used upcycled leather. So I think my favourite ball um, was a car seat from an M Class Mercedes. Um, we got donated um, from Bridge of Weir, a Scottish company, who did the interiors for the DeLorean as well. And they donated a load of first-grade leather and we made turned them into footballs. And we had this black, what we called the cannonball. And honestly, you didn't want to play with it. You just wanted to hold it and smell it. And it was, it was a work of art. 
Yeah. We're so happy that we got involved and that we discovered you guys, Eddie. And I hope that by us doing it, we maybe inspire a few more individuals or companies to do it. The work you're doing is amazing. I hope more people get involved. What would be your dream to happen for the charity over the next couple of years? Maybe a alive and kicking ball being kicked around at a World Cup? That, I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? That's the absolute dream. I think for us, you know, it, you know, growth and, and, and employment is, is our big kind of growth area. You know, we're, we're in sort of talks with um, opening potentially in Uganda. Um, there's also somewhere down the line talks of Nigeria. So I think opening, you know, more centres in, in sub-Saharan Africa, but also, you know, looking potentially outside of Africa, you know, the growth of football in Asia is, is, is huge as well. Um, I personally wouldn't mind going to Brazil um, and, and <laughs> setting up in the favelas. Yeah. Um, I can vouch for that. My, my better half is Brazilian. So. Oh, wow. I, mean, I think it would be just a, a really cool thing to do. Um, if, I, if I can help you with that, I'll volunteer. You're in, mate. You're in. Head ball stitcher. Um, so I think growth and taking it elsewhere. But I think, you know, we've got a really cool campaign with AKFC. So, you know, the more people that sign up to AKFC to use football as a force for good, you know, the more we can invest in growth. Um, and then we can have bigger partnerships with EA and do something, you know, really special in game and, and get, you know, the 30 million players in, in FIFA 22, 23 to really open their eyes and see that football can be, you know, used as a force for good globally. But that's a great place to finish, Eddie. It's been brilliant having you on. It's a great chat. Yeah, it's been awesome. We'll continue to support your work and keep watching what you're doing. So we wish you the best of luck with all you're doing. Thank you so much, guys. Honestly, it's great. And I've listened to all of the the episodes so far. And it's fascinating to see that sort of the niche world of football. And and yeah, it's some great stories and some really cool information. So well done, you guys as well. Well, thanks very much. It's been great to add you. Awesome. Take care, guys. And you, Taylor. Great stuff. Thanks, guys. And that's it for the latest episode of the Pogba Call podcast. Please check out the work of Alive and Kicking at aliveandkicking.org and consider how you might support their initiatives. You can also find our collaboration with Alive and Kicking with our own football design on sale at pogmagold.bigcartel.com and pick up your copy of our latest magazine, Issue 6. Join us next time on the Pogba Gold Podcast.